Welcome to the Wellness Marketer Podcast, a show dedicated to helping wellness professionals grow their business with easy and effective digital marketing strategies. I'm your host, Katie Costa, and I'm a nutritional scientist, entrepreneur, and digital marketing professional. And bringing business and science together is kind of my jam. Tune in for interviews with the industry's best, inspirational stories, and everything marketing. Thanks for joining me today. And this is the Wellness Marketer Podcast. Friday. Well, it might not be Friday when you are listening to this, but it is Friday right now while I'm recording. I am so excited for today's episode. This is officially the first interview on the Wellness Marketer podcast, and it's going to be absolutely epic. Now, this person is very near and dear to my heart. I have trusted her to help me with my business, so I am so excited that she agreed to be on here today. Alyssa Coleman is a productivity strategist for female entrepreneurs, and she's the founder of The Productive Entrepreneur, which is her signature program, and also the creator of the Freedom Rebellion Retreat, where entrepreneurs design their most profitable year and take the most productive vacation they've ever been on. She's also hosted holistic productivity events for global companies like Lululemon, QuickBooks, ConvertKit, and Thrive Global, and has been invited as a key speaker to the Visibility Summit, Your Year of Yes, Make Lemonade Masterclass, Toronto Business Babes, and TLC TED Talks. She is absolutely bomb. I am so excited for her to share her wisdom with you guys. She's helped me so much in my business and this is about to be absolutely amazing. By the end of this episode, you'll understand what systems to implement in your online business that will take you from overworked and underpaid to hitting 10k months faster than you can froth your matcha latte. Without further ado, I'm going to hit play on this interview. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Hello, Alyssa. Hey. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm really actually very honored to be here. (laughs) A little bit about me, I'm a productivity strategist. Um, My story is that I was originally working in the online space as a nutritionist and um, which really relates to this. Right, because your scientific, your training is in science, right? Yeah. And same seas. Things and I also went to school for holistic nutrition, and I was, you know, trained as a yoga teacher, and I was like all up in this wellness world. And I started my business online. The reason that I went into that field was because I wanted to be my own boss. I basically was like, "What's the easiest way that I can not have someone yeah. tell me what to do all the time?" Um, and so, when I first graduated, I basically the first thing I did actually was I rented out a space from a chiropractor, and I just like put all my stuff on my desk and like sat at my desk and was literally like, Kate, where are all the people? I literally had no idea that you had to market yourself in any way whatsoever. I thought, I I don't know, it sounds delirious to say it now, but I genuinely thought people were going to be lining up because everybody has problems. Like let me help you. Um, but that was not the case. So I dove into the online world and I started uh, my business online and I was specifically working with uh, entrepreneurs. So I had a program called The Healthy Entrepreneur and uh, I started doing quite well. Actually, a lot of entrepreneurs took to this program is really focused on adrenal fatigue and stress for entrepreneurs and how to balance that with you know your lifestyle and eating and all that. Um, and so it started going amazing. But what ended up happening is I stopped having a life. I stopped having anything that was actually the reason that I started my business. I I was my own boss, but first of all, I was a really 
shitty boss because I was working like till 10 p.m. at night. I, you know, and I was like always being so hard on myself because there was always more that I could do or I was, I would always like take on another client even though as soon as I closed that client, I'd be like, shit, like now I have to actually work with that client and I don't have any time, I don't have any more time to do this. Um, right. I don't have a life, any of that stuff. So all the good um, stuff, basically. Yeah, everything. Yeah. Like the whole reason that you want to be an entrepreneur, I did not have that. And I really wasn't making that much money either. Like for how hard I was working, I was like, well, I should be a billionaire by now. <laughs> um, where are the dollars? So basically at this point I decided, okay, this can't continue any longer. I'm going to figure out how I can, how I can be a productive entrepreneur. What can I do to actually start doing what I say? When I say I'm going to do it, start having like a regular routine, like working nine to five. Cause I was starting to look at some of my friends who had like regular corporate jobs and I was genuinely jealous of them because they would leave work and just be like, what do you want to do? Like go get dinner yeah. or like whatever. And that just wasn't my reality. So I realized I had to figure out how to be more productive. And that was my, actually my new year's resolution. But I was like a, a serial procrastinator, like in university, every paper was turned in late. Like I got docked that 2%, like, you know, <laughs> oh per God, day. You sound like me. <laughs> it's really bad. I would cry. Like, you know, the oh. day it was due for no reason. Like I would just be like, what have I done again? And so I kind of thought I was doomed to just sort of be like that. Like that was just kind of my personality. Um, so I was like, Hey, I'm going to really need to pull in the big guns here. So I started really researching, uh, about productivity long. This part of the story is really long, so I better shorten it. Um, but basically <laughs> for like eight months, I dove into all of the productivity hacks. I was like literally trying every little thing. I had a trampoline in my office that you, you apparently like makes you more productive. If you take like 10 minute or you take trampoline breaks every 15 minutes or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, that was actually like one of the good ones, but it didn't work. I was just like on a trampoline, just being weird. Oh my God, um, I want a trampoline in my office. It's actually pretty great, but it takes a lot of space and time. Anyway, um, yeah, so I tried all of these things and I, I thought nothing was working. Um, and then because a lot of those productivity things are really designed for the corporate world or for people to like get more done every single day or like how to answer your emails quicker and all of that. But it didn't right. really make sense for somebody who's an entrepreneur or in my case, which what it was, what I was actually trying to do was not necessarily like get more done more quickly, but I wanted to lessen my workload. I wanted to find ways to actually do less and have the same result or have a bigger result um, or do less and have more freedom and feel like everything was kind of working without me. And so I didn't think anything was working. And one day I was at yoga class and I was like laying in the beginning, like in Shavasana and the yoga instructor was like, thank you so much for coming to the 5 p.m. class, blah, blah, blah. And as soon as she said that, I literally almost like peed my pants on my yoga mat because I was like, holy shit, it's 5 p.m. I must have, I must be either missing a client call or I, there's no way I hadn't left my desk at 5 p.m. in like, months. So I was like, something is wrong. <laughs> and I basically, what did I forget? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I basically did not chill that whole yoga class. I was like doing the asanas, just like going over in my head, like, who am I forgetting? It was this sinking feeling, but I figured out that I didn't. So as soon as I went home, I looked at my, um, like what I did that day and I looked through everything that I did. And I said, okay, I'm going to do this exact same thing again tomorrow. And 
uh, I did it tomorrow and I did it the next day and I did it the next day. And that following month after doing that for an entire month, I made an extra $3,000 in my business without changing anything, wow. which at that point, yeah. And that was really exciting. So then I was like, okay, this shit works. And so what it ended up being was kind of this weird mishmash of a lot of the stuff that I had learned over the last eight months. Um, but also kind of, you know, uh, customized to entrepreneurs because right before this point, actually, um, what I started doing when I realized a lot of this is for corporate people is I started looking into what, like the people who I really looked up to what they were doing in their daily routines. Like what is, what do people have in common? Because if I'm not modeling my day after, you know, someone in the corporate world, what's like Oprah doing in her day? Like, how is she getting so much done? Oprah's clearly like, she's got more to do than I do and she's killing it. Like what's Beyonce doing? I looked at Marie Forleo. I looked at Elon Musk. Like what are uh, Anna Wintour? Like what do these people have in common? And it's creepy how much information is out there on like what their daily routines are. I was about to say like (laughs) creepy, but like also very interesting. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I started kind of doing this and it started really working out for me. And I got actually quite lucky because like I said, I was working with entrepreneurs in this program called the healthy entrepreneur and all of them are obviously stressed and have no time. And so I was, I started being like how I am. I was just like, you need to try this. There's this thing that I'm doing. And we started implementing productivity protocols into their like health protocol. That's so amazing. I it love was kind that. of cool. And, yeah. but that was just sort of interesting and it was starting to work for them and really cool. Um, you know, things started happening for them. And at that point they started recommending me, to their friends just for productivity. So they were like, Hey, you know, one, one person in particular, her name's Kayla. And she was like, Hey, my friend really wants this, but she like, she doesn't care about health. She just wants productivity. Can you, is that something that you offer? And I was like, definitely, <laughs> you know, I just like made a PayPal link really quick. I did not offer that at the time. Um, but like that PayPal link will go down in history because from that point on that ended up, you know, over the following year, I ended up doing mostly productivity work. And now that's all I do, which is really crazy. Um, but it just kind of evolved that way. That's amazing. <laughs> is I that love the kind it. of story you're looking for? <laughs> that's an epic story. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know I've actually, like, I've seen the healthy entrepreneur and stuff on your website, but I didn't, and the productive entrepreneur. So, I mean, to give you context, I've been like creeping Alyssa online for like, <laughs> I think four years. Really? I I followed you before, like when you had 4,000 followers on Instagram. Crazy. Like 4,000. And now she's like (laughs) over 20K and crushing life. But I was always intrigued as to like how the healthy entrepreneur and like the productive entrepreneur had just like fit together and like what that was. So I didn't even know that. It kind of doesn't make sense. Yeah. No, it doesn't. I would have never, like literally when I graduated, if you ever told me that I was working in productivity, like I would have laughed in your face because like I said, like I was, I'm, it's not my natural tendency, but that's what makes me good at it because I understand what it's like to be, to be creative, to be an idea person, to be like scatterbrained, to be a procrastinator and, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) get around that. No. And I think we have, we actually have like a lot in common too, where it's like both being like scientifically trained in like the health and wellness space and then kind of developing careers that are not scientific at all and more in the like, really just like in business careers kind of thing and like exactly. we both have that same personality like I know if Lindsay is listening to this right now which she will <laughs> she is going to die because that was just so me too like doing everything last minute like she was like my partner in crime in university and 
yeah, I was just like a hot mess, like all <laughs> over the place. And that's why I'm so happy I that wanted, I, I didn't want to be like that. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> I wasn't, I was a good student. I feel like. Right. Just like a late student. <laughs> I just had a lot of ideas and I had a lot of things that I was trying to do. And sometimes exactly. writing the paper for toxicology was not one of them. <laughs> exactly. But it happened. But anyway, so I want to dive deeper into, so you said there was one day that kind of like changed everything in terms of like what you actually did and break that down a little bit more for me. Like what was going on? Is this when you really started to realize like a process or a system was like the key to everything? Yeah. So I didn't really understand it at the time and it's, I've distilled it more and more since then. Um, to be less of like this weird splatter of what I did that day. But basically what it was, was one, I created a schedule that I followed that day. And I had been, I had been um, experimenting with creating different calendars for myself and like different routines and stuff like that for months and nothing was working. But this one specifically was a, um, was created with a lot of extra time. So it it seems like it wouldn't actually make me get more done in less time, but it did. So what I actually did was I gave myself like a buffer room. So if I think it's going to take me 30 minutes to write a blog post, I gave myself an hour. And you know, if it's going to take me 20 minutes to answer my emails, I gave myself 40 minutes or something like that. So that's the first part. My calendar had so much white space and so much, um, free time because what I find and the reason that I think that that really works is because when we, and especially if you're an idea person, you have so much on your to-do list or on your calendar, when you feel like, oh, I should have done that in 20 minutes and, and now it's been 25, that second that you're over the 20 minutes, you start to feel this anxiety of, of being behind. I'm so guilty of that because I, like right now I'm at my full-time job and like doing all this stuff where it's like, I'm trying to cram so much into a day so I can get it done. So then it's like, oh, I should, but I'm doing like the opposite. I'm like, I should be giving myself an hour and a half, but we only got an hour. So let's throw down. (laughs) I know. And that's kind of how I am too. Like you'll, if you know, my to-do lists are always like 70 things long and I think I can get them all done and I can work fast when I'm working fast. But here's the thing. Entrepreneurs feed off of this feeling of momentum that is what thrive, what, what fuels mm-hmm. entrepreneurs. So the more, okay. So if I give myself an hour to write a blog post and I write it in 25, then I'm like, bitch is on fire. What's next? And it, like, yes. now you're creating this momentum and, and you naturally get ahead of your schedule, which is right. incredible. But the second I feel, if I say it's going to take me 20 minutes to write a blog post and it takes me the same 25, then I'm like, oh my God, I'm behind. I'm five minutes into the next thing. Like, what am I supposed to be doing? And then I, I start self-sabotaging and I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to get a coffee. Like I need a break. What's wrong with me? Like it becomes right. this craziness. Right. And, and so much of entrepreneurship is just like your mindset. And so, and I was kind of trying to do the opposite of like push through that mindset and just like hustle harder and harder. But, um, what, when I started kind of like babying myself was when I actually started creating that, um, crazy unstoppable like momentum in the day. That's amazing. It's kind of cool. So that was one, that, that was like the one thing that was going on. And the other thing was that that was actually when I discovered the big four, which are in my case, the things that I can do every single day that I know, even if I just do these things that take me like an hour, um, I know that my business, I'm going to feel like my business is moving forward. So once I have those done, it's again, part of this momentum feeling where I'm like, okay, I've checked off the most important thing on my list. All the rest 
to this, like I got this, you know, it's almost like getting the gym out of the way in the morning or something like that. Yeah. I mean, that feeds perfectly into the next question that I wanted to ask you, which was like, what are the top systems that if someone is just really like kind of getting into this space, like to not overwhelm themselves and systemize their whole (laughs) life, like what would be the first thing that you would advise people to do? So, okay. So I will say there's so many things you can systematize. This is my, this is my favorite thing about productivity, which is kind of like cloning yourself, creating systems or automations that, um, can work for you because then you don't have to do it. (laughs) Um, but I recommend that you focus on automating one thing or one system per quarter. Um, that way you do it right. And you don't try and automate, like you said, 50 things, you know, in your first quarter in business, or just like right now you're like, okay, I'm getting productive. I'm automating everything. Um, but here are the systems that I think everybody needs and it can be, it might be a little bit different depending on what your actual um, industry is, but it's the same across the board for every business. If I put it like this, the first thing that needs to be automated is how you're getting new leads in the door. This is just like yes. non-negotiable needs to happen. You need leads coming to you while you're working, while you're with clients, while you're at home, like all the time. So putting something into place, and there's a lot of different ways that you can do that, but lead generating systems are the top most important Q1 thing you should automate. Um, Super important. But then from there, you also actually want to have ways to um, bring value to those leads without you having to physically talk to them or meet with them or have a phone consult with them or anything like that. So anything that you can automate that actually, um, you know, gives value to those leads. Maybe it's a welcome sequence. Maybe it's, um, you know, you have someone on your team, reach out to them, or maybe you send them like a welcome card once they become a client or something like that. Anything that actually brings value to your leads, um, should definitely be automated next. And then the third thing is obviously offers. And this is really important because a lot of people, um, only make offers when they're face to face or in an email with their leads. But if you're generating, if you have a system of generating leads all the time, you need to be at least offering them something once a day. Like this should be a system. And the, the thing is a lot of people are really worried about Um, you know, I'm offering too much or I'm being really salesy or whatever, but people actually really appreciate, like, I'm not just saying this, but people genuinely appreciate knowing what your options are. Like if somebody has come into your world and there's a lead, like, I want to know what you have, what are my options, what specials you have right now. And I don't have to take you up on it. Like you're literally not forcing anyone to work with you. Um, but the more times that you tell people about your offers, how awesome they are, um, and what their options are the better. And that's definitely like something that if you automate it, it's going to make your time that much more valuable. Right. I want to come back to the part about automating lead generation, because I have a feeling that there is going to be a ton of people here. That sounds like, oh, wow, that sounds really great, Alyssa, but (laughs) really nice. (laughs) What the heck does that actually mean? And how do we do that? And keep in mind, like, so I feel like most of my, most of my listeners right now are still like in that health and wellness space. So I definitely do have a lot of small business folks on here, just so you know who you're talking to. Yeah. Um, okay. And to my health and wellness peeps, especially if you're a practitioner, I know like you might not think of yourself as an entrepreneur, but like newsflash, running your own practice is running your own business. And in my opinion, the minute you make that shift and really treat yourself like an entrepreneur and like this is a, a business that you are building, just because it doesn't look like Amy Porterfield's or Marie Folio's, like doesn't mean that you are not an entrepreneur. And like, if you're trying to be in the online space, like so many people are like, whether you're 
podcasting or like hitting it up on Instagram, like you still are therefore an online entrepreneur, even though you might see people in person or online, however that totally. looks. But embrace the fact that you are building a business. And like, even though if you Come are over like- to the dark side. Literally, that's what it is. Like you can be in science and like be a professional and still be an entrepreneur. Um, so yeah. yeah, don't think this isn't well, for that's you kind is of, what I'm trying to say. It is for you. And that's kind of the shift that I had to make when I was saying like I set up my cute desk with like my gold stapler and I was waiting for clients because I was like, they're going to see me and find me in person. And once I started marketing online, that's when everything changed. And I started seeing more people in person as well. Um, right. Okay. So, so yeah. speaking of lead generation, um, and are, do you know if a lot of these people are like, have physical locations as well. I would say so. I think a lot of people okay. are doing the um, in-person and online right now, but I know a lot of people that are maybe only doing in-person still because they're not having the traction online yet. Um, so it's right. kind of like a balance. Totally. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess online marketing is becoming so much more, more and more important, especially depending on who your um, target audience is. Like I don't even go to a sushi restaurant anymore without like searching them online seeing if their restaurant looks shady or whatever right so you definitely like even if you can only work with people who are local to you you definitely want to be leveraging um digital marketing as well and bringing leads in on autopilot basically just looks like finding out who has your ideal client already or where they're hanging out online so specifically um you know pinterest facebook twitter um instagram maybe Reddit. I don't know. LinkedIn <laughs> I don't is really a good know. It's underrated as hell. And LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. So figure out where your person is there and again, figure out how you can bring them value, but they may also be hanging out at like local places as well. So maybe the local yoga studio already has your dream clients or, you know, the salon next door or whatever. Um, but find out where those people are and find a way to bring value to them in exchange for their email. And this is the part where that a lot of people screw up because everybody's trying to get everybody's email, right? I'm right. sure your inbox is destroyed with like random, you know, things that you've given your email for. And people are starting to become really, really protective of their email because totally. especially their good email, you know, like not, not their main email. <laughs> yeah. Not the fake email, uh, not the hot mail, <laughs> like the real one. So you need to actually create something that's like super, super valuable for this person. And that can look like, okay, maybe you give them a coupon. That's super valuable. That's a great thing that I would give my name and email for. And that's a great way to get someone through the door right away. Maybe you can give someone some kind of digital product that brings them value, like maybe a um, smoothie, you know, recipe book or something like that, cookbook. Um, something that I would actually pay for though. Um, you want right. this thing to be something that I would put down cash for, but I'm so happy that I can get it for free by just giving my email. And then once you have that in place, then you just kind of need to get the tech set up of like what happens when someone gives you their email, do you give them the recipe book and how all of that goes down. But usually mm -hmm. that's pretty simple with whatever email provider you're using or mind body or whatever you have going on, um, in your thing, in your, um, you know, the back end of your business. The, the key here is, is getting that free thing out in front of your dream client. And I think this is where a lot of people just kind of start doing the like splatter method where they're like, I'm just going to, you know, put it out everywhere. Um, but actually you want to get, you want to like ask your current clients, how did you hear about us? Um, you know, did you walk by? And if they did walk by, then how can you leverage that 
or if they heard about it, you from a referral, how can you leverage that? If they heard about you mm -hmm. from, um, you know, an Instagram ad, then, you know, scale that up or whatever. Yeah. It's market research at the end of the day. And I think people that often try and like reinvent the wheel and yeah. like, if you have something that already works or like just step one, like find out what's been working, yeah. asking people who are already there and like, yeah, recreate or scale or just revamp. But it's like, just because you only have like one way of leads coming in, doesn't mean that's bad. Like you don't have to be doing no. 25 things. Exactly. Yeah. It's actually just, yeah. A lot of times when I work people who have physical locations and then want to kind of create a digital, you know, lead generation situation. Um, basically we always just duplicate what they're doing offline and put it online. Like it, it almost always works. So whatever you're doing to bring leads through the door up till now, you can have that exact same result and amplify just doing it, you know, virtually as well. Right. Amazing. So, I mean, I, since we're like kind of talking about email lists now, because really generating leads online is building an email list. Yeah. There's so many people talking about this right now. And in your opinion, like how the heck do you start an email list in 2019 or I guess like 2020 when this episode yeah. airs um, that people actually want to be on, like because they're so protective and I feel like people are just becoming so desensitized totally. to like not good, like to shitty emails, like at the yeah. end of the day, like if your emails are shit, like people don't want to, don't want to read them and then they're going to unsubscribe <laughs> from you. Right. So it's like, totally. Bye. So what's, the I barely read the emails of the people whose emails I do like. Right. I know sometimes you girl, know? I got to skip over yours cause there just ain't so much time in the day, but so I'm like, rude. I'm so, that's the truth. <laughs> it yeah, is. Like, <laughs> so if people are barely even reading the emails that they already love, you better make sure that your new email is like top notch. Um, yeah. so what actually makes an email list that people want to be on? Okay. A few really important things. One thing that I see is a major mistake that a lot of specifically health and wellness pros are making is that you're you're not bringing enough value to people where they currently are. So you probably know this from working with your clients, but when they first come to you, a lot of times the problem that they think they have is not actually what's going on, right? Like they come to you and they're like, I want to lose weight. And you're like, well, you have, you know, hypothyroid. <laughs> like we need to focus on that first right. um, or whatever's, you know, a lot of times what you actually know is problem is not what they think is the problem. And what I see a lot of health uh, pros do is they're actually talking about the solution to people's problems before they ever even know that they need that solution. So specifically, I, I follow this one person who's constantly talking about um, digestive health, like all the time talking about the importance of digestion, the gut biome, the holes in the gut and all this. Um, and it's actually, the holes in really the gut. Interesting. you know, Leaky you know, the gut. Ones. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's actually like hot, super valuable information and it's really well researched and all of that. But I never, almost never want to read this. And I'm sure the people who actually have leaky gut and need to read this are not reading it because they think they have a problem with farting or they have psoriasis or they're only interested yes. in the problems that they think they have. They don't know that they There's have. There's no awareness yet, right? around the true problem. And it's like they're offering solutions to the true problem, but the person doesn't know that they have that problem. Exactly. Yeah. 
<laughs> exactly. So it's kind of like you almost have to dumb yourself down um, and go back to, you have to, you have to become empathetic to where your dream client is right now and not think right. about all of this information and the research that you've done and your process. Um, they will eventually need to know that and that's what they're going to hire you for. But for now, you kind of need to hit them and uh, with where they are, hit them where they are basically. So if you're worried about losing I thought you were going to say hit them where they hurt. I want you yeah, I know. Where are you going with this? Don't hit anyone, <laughs> but uh, hit them with the truth. Um, <laughs> Sorry, keep going. I'm a very nonviolent person. <laughs> she does not, Alyssa is my coach. She does not hit me. I, I can't confirm. <laughs> Okay, but really, you do need to bring, the, bringing value, a lot of times people think is by telling people everything that you know and the, and the real solution, but actually bringing value is anything that's going to get people um, a quick win or a quick outcome, and that's what you should be putting into your emails. Once they come in or once they hire you, that's when you kind of hit them with the truth of what the problem is, what the solution is. <laughs> yes. No, Totally. Interesting. Okay. So basically um, value, value, value. Yeah. And also consistency, like make sure that, uh, if you are planning to send people, um, emails, you do it on a consistent basis because, um, there's nothing worse than you signing up for something. And then six months later, you start getting a bunch of emails from someone who you don't even remember anymore. Right. Because you, right. you're giving out your email all the time. So start having a little bit of consistency and also stop calling it a newsletter. <laughs> this is like, I'm trying, this is like my mission right now. It's just a lot of people are still talking about newsletters and people avoid newsletters like the plague because people usually, hate newsletters. People hate, I hate newsletters. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. And usually newsletters are actually like, here's what's going on in the clinic this week. One, we have this on sale Two, you know, this is going on three. We have this new, um, you know, naturopath working here. And it's kind of a lot about the clinic and nothing really about what I'm interested in. And, and all businesses mm -hmm. do this. My dentist sends out the same ones. And I'm like, I don't, why are you emailing me this? Wow. Your dentist sends emails. Yeah. My dentist is actually very good at email marketing <laughs> and shames <laughs> me into coming back. <laughs> I don't recommend that actually, Amazing. but <laughs> I do have dental guilt and then I go back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no newsletters, no newsletters, basically. Yes. Because I think that comes back to like the value add thing. Like when you, when people read a newsletter, I don't know about you, but the first thing that I think of is this is yeah. All, all about the sender. Like, so if I was sending yeah. the newsletter, it's like, Oh, like, well, this is like all of the updates that I have yeah. for me. And again, it's like people are innately selfish. It's yeah. how we were programmed you know, it's our ego, like to keep us safe, like from when the first humans ever evolved, it's like you had to only care about yourself. And like, unfortunately, we still like, not, well, whatever, like still keeps us alive. So it's not too unfortunate, but like, <laughs> but like, you know, we are still subconsciously like always thinking that way. And yeah, if you want people to actually care about what you're saying, whether it's like, you know, in an email or on social media or in any platform, it's like, you have to shift it from being you centric to audience centric. And then I think that's when people really start to listen because again, 
they care, people care about themselves. So as soon as you're saying something that's going to help them or that's, they care well, about they're it. they're the buyer. So it needs to be exactly. about them. Like it yeah. has literally has nothing to do with you until after they give you the money. <laughs> you are just a vehicle of how they got, yeah. they're looking up for the solution that they're looking for. And then they love you usually after you solve the problem. But like you exactly. said, it usually comes after the transaction. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, boom. Boom. I'm just take that one and go over there. You also want to make sure that you have good subject lines. And there's a lot of, um, if you're not sure if you're sending emails, if your emails aren't getting open, there's a lot of tools online that you can search for how to create a cool subject, like a, not cool, but like an open worthy subject line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really recommend them because if your emails aren't getting open, then that's a big waste of your time. Not very productive. For sure. We should put one or two of those in the description. Hey, sorry to interrupt, but I wanted to let you know that this episode is brought to you by The Perfect Marketing Protocol, an easy and effective marketing checklist for health practitioners. If you feel overwhelmed by all of the things you could be doing and are looking for a strategy that will help you grow your audience, position yourself as an expert, and keep your audience engaged, then download The Perfect Marketing Protocol at thewellnessmarketer.ca forward slash checklist. That's thewellnessmarketer.ca forward slash checklist. But you have something called the perfect workday. I've done like webinars on this from you. I feel like in like my four years of creeping you online. Yes. And it's amazing. So let's talk about this. What is it? How does it work? Okay. So I have something that I use in my business called the perfect work week, perfect day, whatever you want. Um, But basically it's your version of if you do this every single week, you know that you'll get the results that you want. So you want to know what do I need to be working on every day in my business, every week in my business, every month and every quarter. Um, and this is like, my process is really focused on your business, but you can also implement some of these things into your life as well. Like some of my clients will add in, you know, meal prep every Sunday and just starting to start to become really um, committed to their calendar. But basically what you want to do that. is hashtag yeah, committed to the calendar. It's really, it's really life-changing um, because I think, of, I think part of it being, is. yeah, it, I, I'm like so serious about my calendar because part of being a good entrepreneur in my experience so far has been just doing what I, what I have in my calendar, no matter how much I don't want to do it or um, how mm-hmm. scary it is or any of that. So I first start by writing down every single thing that you are currently doing in a week in your business. So literally anything, when you check your emails, when you check DMs, like when you're procrastinating, everything. Um, Also, of course, the important things, what you do, how long you're seeing clients, all of that stuff. So you write all of those things down. And usually this is kind of a living document. So you kind of want to come back to this over maybe a week or two weeks because you'll start to notice, oh, I actually do this too and this and this and this. And there's so many things that we don't even, you know, that we almost do on autopilot um, without even taking notice of us doing it or how long it takes us. So once you have all those written out, then you just basically start to figure out how long do each one of these things realistically take me. And if you genuinely have no idea. There's some things that you can put on your computer that actually track what tabs you're in and for how long. So cool. It's really actually scary. Like when, once you do it, it's, it's can be a really big wake up call. I can find a link for that too. Mm -hmm. Um, well like on your phone too. So many people don't realize how much time you're wasting on Instagram, just scrolling around 
not doing actual business related things on Instagram. Don't lie to yourself. It's nuts. I mean, I actually have to like turn off my phone and I'll find myself picking up my, I pick up my phone and I like go yes. to, to, to scroll and it's off. Oh my God. No, <laughs> that psychotic. is so true. It is like when I'm like just on my phone and this happened to me last night where I was like closing my apps all before bed and just my subconscious mind I just open Instagram and start yeah. scrolling. Like I do it at work. I've been getting really bad with it. Like I have to actually put my phone out of my physical reach <laughs> because sometimes I just, my mind goes somewhere else and I'm like, I don't know. like I just pick the phone up and go right to Instagram. It's brainwashing. It's They've brainwashed well, The truth up. is like some of the smartest people in the world are working on making sure that you're spending as much time as possible on your phone and on specifically on Instagram and Facebook. I know. And so you kind of have to like protect yourself because they're pretty, they know they're doing a good job. Yeah, they so are. yeah. So track your time, see how long everything takes you. And so once you have that giant list of everything you do in a week, figure out, all right, this is going to take me two hours, then be really generous with yourself. So once yes. you've put your time on everything, see if you can give yourself an extra 10, 15, 20 minutes. Some things, if you know you have a lot of resistance to them or the things that you usually procrastinate on, give yourself a little bit longer. Um, it seems counterintuitive, but it works. Um, and then once you have what you do and how long it takes you, what I like to do is to start grouping things together. So like things um, go together, almost like you're an assembly line. Almost so, like homeopathy. It is, exactly. <laughs> like and attracts like. Like attracts like. But here's the thing, you, this is where I'm going to kind of throw a curveball. So let's say you want to write a blog post. Um, you're going to write the first draft, then you're going to put it onto your website and then you're going to get some images so that it looks good. You're going to publish it. Then you're going to send an email to your list about that blog post and then you're going to share it on social media. That's the process, let's say, that you want to do for your blog. Um, but that seems like logical to go from, you know, to go in order of how you want this to come out. But right. what I actually do that works way better is you start the day by doing the first draft of three blog posts. Then you put three blog posts into WordPress or wherever you keep your blog and you, you get all of the images for those. And you just at said the same three time. blog posts. Three. So exactly. And then from there, just you're scheduling clarify. all of your social media. Exactly. So rather than doing switching from, you know, writing a blog to then being in the mode of where you're like designing and finding images, and now you're in more of like a creative space, we try to keep our brain doing similar things all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so I also start to batch my days like that. So Mondays, you know, maybe I'll use for more like CEO level things or admin things. So I'll have meetings with my team and your brain is sort of in this certain wavelength where it's like, okay, getting shit done, making decisions. Whereas on Tuesdays, Tuesdays are all my creative days. So I write copy, I'll write blog posts, I'll batch some social media. Um, all of those things happen on my creative days. And then on Wednesday and Thursday, I take client calls and this is where I have meetings. I show up, I, take, I do podcasts, things like that. And so you kind of want to work with the way that your brain naturally works um, and try doing things really repetitively as much as possible. And so once you have your giant list of all the things you do and how long they take you, try starting to group them together into tasks that use the same part of your brain. Because um, for a long time I was doing things like showing up for a client call and then right after that I was supposed to write a blog post. And then maybe had another client call after I had to switch out of creative mode into like, you know, client mode. And it really um, takes you a lot longer to do everything uh, mm -hmm. that way. 
Oh my God. That's so interesting. I just had a thought. Okay. So then like bringing this over into like our practitioner peeps. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people will, you know, open up their schedule for like a full five days because, you know, they're just like whenever sometimes desperate for clients. Right. And yeah, they're like, just book in whenever and I'll be available. And then I find they don't have time or they say they don't have time for things like digital marketing or like all of these things. And it's like, well, maybe a solution for you if this is the type of business that you're operating is to close your practice for one day a week and have your marketing be one day a week and you batch your social media content, write your weekly email to your list, all the things. You're just in, yeah, you're in entrepreneur mode that day and then you're in client mode rest. The other thing that you can do, and I think a lot of people are really nervous about uh, shortening how long they're available to see clients and, and that's okay, but you can do things where like, okay, from, you know, eight to 1030 is when I work on my business stuff. And then after that, from 1030 to 530, I'm free for clients. Like your schedule is still crazy open, but you've carved out, you know, two hours for your business and that those uh, benefits are going to be huge. Right. Yeah. And so you don't have to do the same thing all day. That's just like what's worked for you, but yes, yes, you can. Exactly. Right. Yeah, ex- I should say that. Yeah, some people find it really um, beneficial to actually theme each day, but you can actually just group things together. So I would write, you know, group together all those blog things maybe in the morning, but then in the afternoon you could take client calls or you could have team meetings, whatever you want. But as long as you're trying to keep them as close to each other as possible. Um, and then what you want to do is once you've written all those things down, you have how long they take you, you've kind of started grouping them together. You basically just take them, put them into your calendar for how long you said they're going to take you. And you have that repeat in your calendar week after week after week. And what's cool about that is you have this routine that becomes routine, right? It becomes easier and easier and easier for you to do the more you're doing it repetitively. And um, for people who really hate calendars and who are, you know, really creative and stuff like that. Um, that's how I am too. And you should try this. I I just want to say, just try it for two weeks because I find that the more creative you are, the more that you actually benefit from having some sort of structure, uh, because then you don't have that feeling of like, I should be doing something else right now. I can't like, you know, I can't focus on just writing this morning or I can't focus on this because I have all these other things I should be doing. Um, and so I find that the more um, whimsical or like free-spirited you are, the more that some structure actually benefits you the most. Yeah. Oh, that makes total sense. The peeps like you and me. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> and I find, I always say that it's kind of like having a safety net, speaking of trampolines, but it's like having a safety net around a trampoline because then you're more likely to try like crazier stuff. You're more, you have this container that you know, is there to keep you on track? Like, okay, I know that right now I have two hours for creative brainstorming or for uh, design work or something like that. And you're like more, you're more in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also you can move your calendar around uh, week to week. So like, let's say on Monday, you're like, okay, I'm, you know, this is going on. You can move it around, but then the following week, all those things will still be in there. And it almost becomes kind of like Jenga, you're, or, you know, yeah. you're just kind of moving it around. Like a puzzle basically. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. And I just had a thought, but I want to re- reiterate, like this works for the free spirited peeps and like for everyone else, because really like when you create systems and this is like kind of what Alyssa is an expert in is when you create systems, 
you are creating more freedom. And I think that's a little bit of a paradox. And if you're like hearing this and these are really new concepts to you and you are thinking like, oh my God, like this sounds like so strict and like, I don't want to like plan all this because I like to just like do what I want to do or whatever. Like we're doing all of this because it has, it's truly creating like a freedom. This is how you create that freedom-based lifestyle with running an online business. Just as Alyssa said, before the systems came into place, hot mess, <laughs> right? But like working till 1030 without systems. And now you have systems and you're usually taking Fridays off work every week. Exactly. And going and to like, Bali. And going to Bali. And <laughs> usually mo- like in my calendar, most days I'm done at three or 4 PM. And if I have a couple things to wrap up, but like those things that like, if you had told the girl who's working till 10 at night, if you just create more structure in your life, you'll be done at 3 PM. Like I would not have believed you. And I, I, I really enjoyed being that like, Oh, you know, it was almost like an organized mess. Like I kind of knew what was going on. Like, you know, when your room's a disaster and you're like, well, I know where everything is. Yes. That's kind of how my business was. Right. And like, that's not sustainable at all. And it's, it's not scalable. It really, really isn't. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, I mean, we've talked about the perfect work week. We've talked about systems overall. Um, what do you think were the most critical shifts that you made that took you from overworked and underpaid to literally hitting 10K months on the reg? Yeah. Um, the biggest one for me is what I mentioned before, which is knowing the things that uh, I can do every day in just an hour that if I do those, then I feel like I could take the whole day off. If I'm like, you know, whatever, whatever's going on. If you need to leave work because your kid's homesick from school or like if you're PMSing, like whatever, you got to pick up someone from the airport. Um, I know I just have, I can put in an hour in the morning and if I get those things done, then I know my business is moving forward. That has, that alone has been the thing that has made me feel most uh, confident in my business and allowed me to also try new things because I'm not worried about where's my next 10K going to come from because I know my date, my daily non-negotiables. So I call them non-negotiables because like, I just don't <laughs> negotiate. Like I just do them. Exactly. Right. Like I just make them happen and, um, it can be different for, for everyone. But the, the framework is to know what mindset things you need to do or what business mindset you need to do for yourself every single day that stops you from self-sabotaging, stops you from like gets your head in the entrepreneurial game because this is something I missed for so long. I thought everything was like, you know, I thought all of the mindset stuff was like fluff and didn't have to do with business. It was like all woo. Um, but what I realized is a lot of the times, uh, a lot of the time I start becoming the biggest bottleneck in my business. I start becoming the thing that stops us from scaling or stops my team from being able to work on things. And it's, it's because of my resistance or my mindset around things. So that's become a daily non-negotiable doing mm-hmm. something that gets my head in the game. And that changes like depending on what I'm working on or what's coming up. Then the second thing is I know to do one thing that day actively that's going to grow my community by at least one person. And like just one is enough. But I ask myself, okay, what can I do to bring in a new lead right now? And it's so crazy. Um, When I first started doing these non-negotiables, I literally would get one new person on my email list that day. Or I would get, you know, one new follower on Instagram. And now when I do those things, it's like it's so amplified because, you know, I know if I... I know how to do it uh, really well now and my results are just getting better and better. But in the beginning, one new lead is one potential client, right? So um, right. And that's what enough. can I do to bring, 
and that's enough. You just, exactly. Yeah. Especially, um, yeah, it's incredible. And then from there, I think, okay, how can I bring value to my community today? And I find one way to just show up, bring some sort of value. And um, this is something that I, I had a lot of resistance to because it, I thought that it meant showing up on Instagram every day or doing a live video every day. But there's mm -hmm. so many creative ways to bring value to the people who are already around and who are already um, interested in what you have to have to say. So rather than always needing to bring in new leads, new leads, new leads, like get the most out of the ones who are already here. Mm -hmm. um, and even people who have been in your community for like four years, like Katie yeah. and you know, Perfect nothing, example. yeah, nothing happened um, until four years later, but I kept continued to show up and bring value in some way to people, to you and people like you. No, um, absolutely. And that happens all the time, like all the time. Uh, and then the last thing is I, I ask myself, how can I make one offer today? Like in, in what way can I actively show up and make an offer? So not in my nurture sequence, you know, not in an automated email that's going to go out, but how do I let people know I have this offer? This is what it's about. This is the name of it. Um, here's where you can take action on it and get really creative also with um, how I can you know talk about that offer. So I don't just feel like, Hi, by the productive entrepreneur. It's awesome. Yeah. And when yeah, you say I'm offer, this is broken record. No, totally. Um, but when you talk about offer, are you talking about something paid all the time or is this paid? Yeah. Unless you, unless you're, you know, pre-product and you have nothing to offer right now, it should be a paid offer and it can be small, big, mm. whatever you want, but let people know, hey, I'm a business and I offer things that cost money yeah. in order for you to have. Um, but if yeah. you are pre-product, you can use like a wait list or something like that to make your offer. Nice. And that's like, that is every day people like I am so bad at it. these, like my non-negotiables, you know, have been like a bit of a push, but there's a lot of things happening right now. So I'm still working on them, but like, she's it's, negotiating. I'm negotiating my <laughs> non-negotiables. Um, when I am the most successful in my business, I know it's when I am consistently making an offer or making me ask. And people are so scared. Like I'm not resistant to my non-negotiables, like because I'm scared of making the offer. I mean, I'm also pre-product a bit, but I'm not really resistant to making an offer. I'm pretty comfortable with that. But so many people are where it's like, if you do not actively talk about like what, how people can pay you, how do you think that people are going to pay you? It's wild. Like I see this just can't. all the time, but you know what? And I think it's specifically, I'm seeing a lot, it a lot with women and it really upsets me because I think, um, I think a lot of men aren't afraid to make an offer and say, Hey, you should buy this thing. And women are consistently telling me, I don't want to sound too salesy. I don't want to be pushy. Um, and I don't want you to be that either. Well, it's the really patriarchy if we're going to get into it I think it's and societal conditioning from exactly. the patriarchy. <laughs> we can't we be loud. Yeah, we have to turn things around because yeah. it's the women of the world who actually, the more women in power, the more, um, you know, people are, the more businesses are actually donating to a portion of their profit, profits to the environment, to people, um, as well as their own bottom line. So the more women who are making offers, the better off we all are. So um, I really, really believe in not feeling like you're being too salesy. And actually, if you do feel salesy, then ask yourself what part of this feels salesy and how can I make it less 
salesy mm-hmm. because it shouldn't ever be a sell. It should just be you describing how you can provide value to someone and, right. and what the cost is of that. It's really, um, if you believe in your product, you should be able to find a way to talk about it that doesn't feel gross to you. <laughs> yeah, totally. Right. Like it's an offer. It's not a sale. Right. And like, that's, I think it's a key term. Um, one thing that I really love that you had, um, you told me before when making an offer or like an example of ways that you can make an offer is the humble brag. Yeah. So I think that's a really cool one that a lot of practitioners, um, can use. And because like when I'm specifically thinking of my naturopathic friends, like there's a lot of rules that they have from the naturopathic college around advertising and marketing and they can't use testimonials. Right. So that's like, I know for a lot of people, like they really lean on testimonials for marketing themselves and their business, especially in a service based business. Um, but the humble brag, I like, especially if you're like on Instagram stories that like you can get away with that kind of like, is what I'm trying to say. Like the college is not coming for you in an Instagram story when it's you speaking about, it's almost like a a mini case study, but dive into what the humble brag actually is. Right. So the humble brag is basically you sharing some of the takeaways that one of your clients might've just had for people to take action on. So I might get off a call and say, Hey, I just had this awesome call with Katie. She just had Um, a really exciting month. She's launched her podcast and also closed two clients um, almost effortlessly. And I want to show you the two things that she did to make that, um, you know, a really effortless month for her. And then I would say, you know, thing number one that she did, thing number two that she did. And I think you guys should go ahead and take action on those right now. Um, They're, you know, they're really, really impactful if you just work on those things. And if you want to get on the phone with me and see um, if you would be a good fit to be a client like Katie, then go ahead and book a call with me at alissacolman.ca slash call. Um, yes. That's a really great way to show, one, how um, you know impactful your work is. Two, that you have clients and your clients are getting results. That's like people want to work with people whose clients are getting results. Pretty plain and simple. But then three, you've also... Um, told them here, if you are ready now or in the future, here's how you take action on becoming one of my clients or buying my product or service or whatever it is. Yeah. A hundred percent. And like, when I talk about this, like four year nurture time between like me joining the productive entrepreneur, like the humble brags were something like, I obviously, I didn't know like that they were called this cute little name at the time, (laughs) but like I had consistently seen them again and again. And like, I had just never taken action on them. And I think you just said it perfectly. It's because I wasn't ready. Like I wasn't at that um, place where I wanted to or was motivated to take you up on that offer. But after years and years of conditioning, which is really, you know, what it was conditioning that like Alyssa works with like badass women entrepreneurs and gets them results. Like that is why I ended up trusting you. Right. And that like definitely like made all the difference. Right. And I think it's really cool um, to reframe it as an offer because like you said, um, I only work with people when they're ready to work. I'm not the type of person and I'm sure all of you who are listening are not this type of person either who's like going to pressure people into working with you. So it's actually a really um, nurturing thing to do to continue to provide value to someone until they are ready. Um, and not expecting, oh, I just did this humble brag or I just put out this offer. You know, I know you need me. Why aren't you taking me up on it right now? You know? Right. Um, so it's actually just like have 
having that little bit of patience and just seeing it as, hey, here's an offer. If you're not ready, no worries. Yeah, I know. I like literally followed Jenna Kutcher for probably about four years as well before I took her up on her first offer. So it's like, I think people get really nervous. Um, even like, I find I'm guilty of this sometimes when like, I, especially if you have like a small audience, like you're just starting yeah. out, like, like making an offer and then having no one Crickets. take you up on it. Yeah. And it's like, don't let that discourage you because it like, there's a whole like, you know, buying process like for people and like a whole like states of like different states of the purchase, yeah. the purchase process for people. And some people just takes a really long time. And like, like Alyssa said, I was a lead that joined her list like years ago and it's just coming to fruition now. So like, don't be discouraged if you're just starting to talk about your offer. Like people don't know you yet. They don't know if you're credible, like just ride it out and keep showing up. And I think that's going to be really important in terms of banking on those conversions maybe a little bit later on, but just because they don't take you up the first time doesn't mean they're never going to work with you. It's so true. But you know, I'd actually like, um, when you mentioned Jenna Kutcher, like I've been following Marie Forleo for, I mean, years, maybe five, six years. And I don't know if I've ever actually purchased anything from her now that I'm thinking about it. Mm. I don't know if I have, but she's one of the people who I really trust. Um, and I watch her stuff all the time. Like I consume her stuff all the time and she's one of the best pe- best examples of people who just show up and like their stuff is so 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 good all the time and something that I actually need all the time and um you know when she makes an offer once a year at b-school people are like so ready to take her up on it because of how awesome her content is all year yeah totally but I feel like and correct me if I'm wrong but the other secret to hitting 10k months is that you have to not be afraid of charging premium rates because like you will work yourself into the ground. There's not enough time in the day to do that unless you want to feel burnt out with like a low offer, but I'm not the expert in that. That's your thing. So (laughs) I want, I want you to unpack that for me. Yeah. I think, um, a lot of people are afraid of packaging up their stuff, uh, to make it something that is actually worth their time. Um, I actually see this, this was a mistake that I was making. So for a long time, I would have a, and I would charge someone for an initial consult with me and we would talk on the phone for an hour and a half and you know, they would pay me $150. And then I would say, here's where you book your follow-ups. And I would give them a bunch of options and all of those follow-ups would make me about $75 each. And people would usually book one follow-up if that, um, you know, one follow-up, some people would book five follow-ups, but on average, like most people were working one to two follow-ups. And so I was really only making $300 from each client. And that was so much work and also so much time, right? So that would be maybe over like a span of three months. Um, but what I actually know is that after, you know, the first consult with me, a lot of people are nervous. So I, I always use the example of my personal trainer. When I first started working with her, she was like, okay, here's how this works. We work together for eight weeks and here's how much it costs. Um, and if she had said to me, like, do you want to just have her first session, see how it is, and then you can book your follow-ups. After my first session, I literally hated my personal trainer. Like I was like, I'm about to go home and die. I think I'm going to puke. Like it was the worst experience of my life. I was so out of shape. It was insane. It had nothing to do oh, with God. her, but okay. I was literally, no. So was she I, a terrible person? No, or? she was amazing, but I just like was channeling my anger towards her <laughs> because she was the only one there. Yeah. And if that was 
the case, I probably wouldn't have booked a follow-up because I was so ashamed of how out of shape I was and how much she kicked my ass, right? Um, But she knew that after, you know, five weeks and six weeks, I would start to feel really good. I would be almost addicted to, you know, working out with her. And that first eight weeks, I would for sure renew for another eight weeks. But Mm -hmm. if she had just let me take that first session, I would not have um, continued to work with her. So you, um, you know, I find that what is really impactful is if you package up your um, offer or your initial consult and your follow-ups to something that actually will start to create the result for people. So if you know you you know this digestive client with leaky gut is not going to start seeing improvements until you know five sessions at the very least, then I want you to sell them on an initial consult and five sessions so that not only are you guaranteeing that price for yourself so that you can Mm -hmm. sell, you know, 10 of those in a month and make 10 K. Um, but also, you know, they're getting the results and they're more likely to continue to work with you. Yeah. I feel like that was so good and nothing's going to beat that this episode. (laughs) And when you're hearing this, everyone, Alyssa and I are going to be together in Bali at the freedom rebellion retreat. And I like, this just got me so fired up again. Yeah. I'm so, so, so excited. So yeah, we'll, we will share a little bit of that with you when we're there, but we'll be in Bali. I know. I'm so, so excited. Yes. And so tell them where they can follow you, where they can join your email list because you should be on her email list because it's amazing and any other resources that um, will just be of value. Okay, cool. So you can find me at alyssacoleman.ca or on Instagram at alyssacoleman.ca. And some of the stuff that we talked about uh, today, I actually have free resources on. So the daily non-negotiables that Katie's talking about that she negotiates, but she's (laughs) going to stop negotiating now that I know. Um, yeah, but those are called the big four. And if you go to alyssacoleman.ca slash big, you can grab those. And if you want to see, um, how I create a calendar and create your own, you can go to alyssacoleman.ca slash masterclass. And I have a free workshop on like creating a really productive work week, um, that I is my baby and I love. (laughs) You should check it out. Oh my God. I'm so excited. Okay. Well, make sure you take her up on at least one of those things because I guarantee it will change your life and your business. And It'll be the best email that you add to your email list in 20 <laughs> Except mine, if you're not already on it. <laughs> then both of ours will equally be number one. <laughs> Anyways, Alyssa, thank you so much for taking time on your Friday day off to chat with me. It was so great. And yeah, I'm so excited for everyone to hear this. Thanks for having me, dude. Thank you so much for pushing play today. Your support truly means the world to me. If you liked today's episode, subscribe, send it to a friend, or share it on social media. While you're there, you can find me at The Wellness Marketer on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Although Instagram is my vice of choice. I'm your host, Katie Costa, and thanks again for supporting the TWM podcast. Until next time.